Star Wars technology in the operating room? Is it possible? Yes. You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Phil Faraci, medical director and chief cardiac surgeon at Condell Heart Center. Welcome, Dr. Faraci. Well, thank you, Mark. It's great to be with you again here and uh, talking about one of my favorite subjects. Do you think, as you have done thousands and thousands of open-heart procedures in your career, do you think the future is all robotic surgery and cardiac? Well, I can't see that far into the future yet, Mark. I think that we'll be doing many operations robotically, and, of course, the most popular operation in this country and in most countries today is the coronary artery bypass operation. And uh, we could spend an hour talking about how that procedure can be done robotically. Imagine doing a coronary operation without a sternotomy incision. It is being done, and it will be done wholesale within a very few years. Is there special credentialing and training that must be done in order for you to do these procedures? Yes, there is. And as you know, Mark, credentialing has become a very important topic in the last 10 years. It was a time when a medical license gave you license to do anything within the medical field. Now, with uh, the complexity of many specialties and and particularly the use of, of very sophisticated technology, we all go through very fancy training programs which then have certifications. And so now hospitals are requiring that certifications be presented for specialty activities. So we don't know exactly how far we carry, we're going to carry these certification procedures, but there is in fact a certificate issued after the training program that we all go through to learn how to do these procedures. That is a certificate that is required. Then there is a, a proctoring procedure which is required by most hospitals, and I think this is perfectly appropriate, so that Surgeons who have had experience with this equipment help proctor and observe newer surgeons using it until they feel that they're safely able to do it on their own. Do you suspect that this procedure will be taught in residency programs for training surgeons? Well, you know, it's been a little bit disappointing to me and surprising to me, Mark, that it hasn't been fully embraced by all of the residency training programs as yet. What that speaks to is that we can do any operation without this machine. But the question is, is it of benefit to the operator, the patient, the hospital, the community to embrace this technology and do more operations with it? I believe it is and is going to be increasingly so. And I think that this is a a large capital investment. It uh, is very time-consuming in terms of acquiring the skills. I think requires a basic fundamental knowledge and experience of the operations that we perform without the machine before you learn how to do it with the machine. Training programs, I think by and large, in the standard curriculum, don't have the time to get to this point for most trainees. And perhaps this is going to be a postgraduate training experience. Dr. Faraci, the da Vinci surgical system, indeed, that is robotic-assisted surgery? The robotic system that we're currently using is 
the result of research having been done by several companies, some Italian companies, some German companies, and now the Intuitive Surgical Company in California who has acquired the best of each of these other companies and encompass it into the only generally available and FDA-approved surgical system called Da Vinci. And what are the components of this system? Could you describe them? It's important uh, to get an idea of how robotics can be integrated into the operating room to realize that this is not simply a toy that has a button or a switch that can be turned on and allowed to run around and do an operation. This is a series of very sophisticated pieces of equipment that are interconnected and very carefully integrated. The first and most important component is the master console. The console is about the size of a small desk and has a hood into which the operator places his head and thereby has only the perception of a monitoring screen in front of him. This is about an 18-inch television-type screen in which is portrayed the operative field in three-dimension. And incidentally, Mark, we can also double image on this screen two other profiles. And what I generally use in my operations is a small picture in one corner of the hemodynamic monitoring system that we're using to monitor the patient, all his blood pressures and so forth, EKG, and then an echocardiogram because most of these operations are going to be valve repair procedures. And the echocardiogram is utilized to demonstrate the anatomy of the mitral valve and the function of the left ventricle both during and after the complete repair of the, of the valve. So the console is really the heart of the system, and it is where the operator sits. He's not at the operating table, by the way. He sits by the console and need not be at the operating table at all. There'll be another person there. Now, the console is going to integrate all of the hand and foot motions that go into driving the instrumentation that is actually at the table. And this is done through a tower of electronic instruments that sits at the patient's bedside, more toward the foot of the bed, and a um, way of connecting all these to the operative cart or the robot itself which is a seven-foot-tall monster, and you mentioned Star Wars, and we call the monster General Regis from Star Wars. He has four arms, and these arms have elbows and wrists, which handle instruments, which are then placed through very small holes into a body cavity, abdomen or chest cavity, as as the case requires. And these instruments, by the way, um, include a three-dimensional camera, which has wonderful optics that give us a beautiful high-resolution 3D image of the operative field, which is inside the body. So we're really transposing ourselves through the console inside the patient through some tiny little holes. So it's more than looking through binoculars. You bet. It's uh, looking into another world from outside without making a big incision. Does it take you a while to get used to visualizing in this way? It does. It took me quite a while, in fact, both at a training experience at a special surgical training site, and then practicing a good deal of time with our own instrument uh, using mock-ups that we have in one of our broom closets. We have the robot there kind of waiting to, uh, to play with us almost every day. And we practice these operations in mock form 
day after day until we really feel comfortable managing this instrumentation, which, by the way, is not a direct hand manipulation. We do not have our hands on the instruments. We are directing the robotic technology to manipulate these instruments through a digitized signal of our own hand movements. Well, how exactly is that done? Well, at the console, there are two hand grips and foot pedals, which can be used to change the magnification of the image that we're seeing, move the instruments left, right, up and down, in and out, and rotate, flex, and extend the instruments at the end of the robotic arms. What happens if you move too suddenly or move too much? It certainly takes some practice to get a feel, so to speak, and I I use that term euphemistically because we don't really feel what's going on up there. We have a sense of what is happening through the three-dimensional optical feedback. We do not have proprioceptive feedback yet, although we're hoping that very soon that, that will be developed. So we don't have a sense of feel for the toughness of the tissue, the power that we're delivering to the instrumentation. So we have to rely on very good visualization of everything that we're doing uh, so that we're careful not to damage tissues. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Phil Ferracci, medical director and chief cardiac surgeon at Condell Heart Center. And we are speaking about robotic-assisted surgery. Well, how can someone like yourself who has been doing cardiac surgery for so many years learn this very different technique? Well, Mark, that's a good question. And, you know, at one of our surgical meetings just recently, there was a heated discussion about how much training is required to develop a specialty surgeon. And I made a comment at the end of the discussion that I think is the result of my experience over the past five or six years. And that is that our profession is really a lifetime of training. And it's very difficult to separate the formal primary training experience with the professional career. They really meld and and merge over time. It's a lifetime of training yourself to do new things, to do things better, to acquire new skills. You know, the technology that's, that's come over the 30 years or so that I've been practicing surgery has been absolutely phenomenal. Been no way to, to have predicted what, what we would be doing now, and in fact, no way to predict what we'd be doing in the future. If I told you that we could probably take out your gallbladder without making any scratches anywhere in your body, you'd say I was crazy, but it's being done. We could talk about that. But the future is more technology, acquiring more skills, more intricate skills, in fact, and more difficult skills to perform procedures which are more acceptable to our patients. Well, I'm curious, and I'm sure the listeners are as well, how long did it take you to master this technology before you actually tried it on a patient? Went through all kinds of education and training. That really is a developmental process that begins with acquiring a good deal of fundamental skills and knowledge. But I mean specifically on the da Vinci. Well, the da Vinci experience has been about two years now for me. 
It started with uh, a formal training program whereby the company took me to a site where a laboratory was set up to train on this instrumentation, and I spent two full days doing work on animal models and mock models, learning how to manipulate the tools, uh, learning how it feels to control these instruments and what it looks like to drive these instruments through tissues. And then coming home and practicing with my own instrument for weeks before I felt comfortable doing an operation and then doing operations that we might consider fairly simple. I want to thank Dr. Phil Faraci, who has been our guest. We have been discussing robotic-assisted surgery. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.